It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Known for that homegrown where I come from, smoke on Double D's got them topless in the sun. I shall proceed. That's me, motherfuck your opinion. <laughs> How many ways am I killing them? Shit, right around a billion. Hey, we own it. That means we living for the moment. That means you'll fuck to the moaning. Time and I got time and I know that I'm in the position of controlling anything. I'll buy that ocean. I'm a boss, I'll buy that ocean. Ain't nobody fucking with this. They fucking with this. Cali, Cali. 
Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good uh, with Ryan. This is Ryan. <laughs> How can I help you? Uh, we're coming right at you with a new episode like we do every day. Um, how is everybody doing? Is everybody good? I hope so. I hope you are, man. Uh, we're going to talk about Vanderpump Rules on Friday. We'll do a full recap. But I- I've got I've got things to say, as as I usually do. This is... Man, this is a mess, and we're only three episodes in. It is a mess. Summer House is a mess. Jersey is a mess. Uh, and, and some of these are messes that I like, and some of these are messes where I'm like, this is just a mess. It's just a mess, and I know we love mess, but man, my stomach already hurts. We're three episodes in, I'm like already... St- I'm, I, I have no skin in this game. Like, these aren't my fam- family, but you know what? That's, that's something to be... That's something to think about, actually. Maybe these people, we kind of treat them as family, right? So uh, is that when you've watched a show too much, if you fanned too hard, when you start to feel about these characters like you do your own family, where you're like, oh, I know he's acting like a fucking idiot, but come on. You know, we've, we have so many good years together. Oh, my goodness. So we'll get into all that on Friday. Today, though, we have uh, an interview with somebody. Listen, I always say that this show is the coolest thing to have for so many reasons. And uh, one of those reasons is you guys. You guys make this so special for me. The other reason is that I got to talk about all of these things that I love, that I'm passionate about, that I'm excited about. And I don't have anybody like, listen, we're all here because we're passionate about these things. We're passionate about pop culture. We're passionate about reality shows. And nobody can make fun of us for that. We can take pride in our passion. Who cares what anybody else thinks? This is how we think. This is our last stand, and we get to talk about this every day, and I get to, and I'm so excited. The other thing that is the most thrilling is I get to now reach out to people that have meant something to me. Um, listen, I, 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 I think I've painted a very accurate picture of who I am and who I've been in the past, and uh, I've always been somebody that's loved TV, film, movies, music, uh, concerts. Oh, I loved all of it, but i you know, I, I, uh, I worked at an acting school for a long time. I was able to coach actors. I worked, uh, I did, you know, I answered the phones for, you know, I did all of that stuff. And a lot of that time I would be scrolling on Twitter and you would find like kind of solace in people that would make you laugh. And it would lead you down a path of, oh, like, ooh, I, I think this person's really funny. And I want to go check out this person. I mean, that's kind of, if you use social media the right way, it can lead you to some really, really amazing, brilliant, funny people. And today I get to speak to one of them. And I ho- I don't know if you guys already know her. If you don't, I get to introduce you to her. And that is so exciting because her writing has meant such a great deal to me over the years. And I think it's kind of nice like last week, I got to have uh, uh, Talia Lickstein on and, and just had a great conversation. I've been a big fan of her TikToks and stuff like that, which I know it sounds funny every time I say TikTok. I kind of get douche chills when I say it. But um, I, I've loved this person's writing and, and so much so that like like 2017, I think her first book came out. It's called Nobody Cares. It's a collection of essays. And I got it because I really liked her her writing from Twitter and I would like, uh, read some of the articles she would write cause she's written for like every publication out there. And, um, I really, the book really resonated to, with me and I still think it would, it, it would resonate with you guys too. Uh, in fact, I, I, 
reread it uh, last week. It was actually the same week I read uh, Heather Gay's Bad Mormon. And I got to tell you, Nobody Cares was way better than Bad Mormon. <laughs> but anyways, the whole point was that I get to reach out to these people and she's on the podcast today and I get to tell her. I mean, I've never talked to her before and I get a, and we get a rap about reality shows and little pop culture things. And it was everything that I wanted it to be. Uh, I mean, I feel like this show is like this huge make a wish thing every day for me. Um, but I guess the, the other thing that I wanted to say, I was thinking about it, that don't be afraid to reach out to the people that mean something to you. And I, I don't just mean like your family and or your friends, but like, you know, somebody that you've read something of that means something to you, somebody that you listen to that means something to you. Let these people know. Let these people know that it, that it's affected you, that it's moved you, that it's made you feel less alone in the world, that it might have given you a laugh at the the best time that you could have gotten one. And um, I have to say, like, it, it's just been really, really rewarding personally to be able to have these people on. Now, I just got way too serious about an actual uh, a conversation that is actually a lot of fun. You're going to have tons of laughs. We talk about Roni. We talk about Roni Legacy. We talk about Vanderpump Rules. We talk about just so much pop culture because this person has a brilliant pop culture historian's brain. But the other thing is that I really, really recommend checking out her writing because I also think she's just a very gifted writer. Her name is Anne T. Donahue. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Ann Donahue. That's A-N-N-E-T-D-O-N-H-T-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I'm going to put this info in the show notes. Um, but her Substack, which I think is amazing as well, is antdonahue.substack.com. And all of those articles that she's written about is free. But she, I don't know, I just think she's great. And it was just great to catch up with her, uh, even though I've only read her, but to get to talk to her in person was just so, so great. Um, so we're going to go right into that today, and I'm going to save my voice to yell and scream about tonight's Vanderpump Rules, because I'm feeling a little a little throaty, if you will. So I hope you guys really enjoy this, and I hope you go check her out on social media and go check her book out and stuff because it, this was just this was just a, a real delight for me. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here she is, Anne T. Donahue. Oh, also the intro. You know, I, I usually have a, a kind of a clue on what I'm about to say, and I kind of did, but then I was kind of like, you know, when you start talking and then you're thinking like uh, random thoughts at the same time that you're thinking, and I was just thinking like, oh my god, I'm actually. I'm actually nervous to talk to this person. Like it was so that's what you hear in the beginning. You'll hear me just stumble over things. I'm gonna I wish I could do a director's commentary just for this audio track at the beginning, but then it then it really smooths out and it's great. Here she is. But today, I tell you guys these are my favorite because I've started doing this thing where it, it, all the people that I've loved in the last decade of my life that have no clue who I am, but have meant so much to me in terms of their writing. Or, or what they talk about or their takes on pop culture, uh, because that's who I used to be is just somebody that would just surf the internet looking for strangers that I agreed with and uh, always just being so blown away uh, by people's 
their way to express themselves. And today, one of my favorite writers that I found on Twitter originally, uh, I then went on to read her book of essays, uh, Nobody Cares, which I just reread for the second time. And this, I believe, was like 2017. I read it for the first time, you guys. And I always have been blown away. And it's this weird thing I was just explaining to her where the, the pandemic happened. And I did this show like full, like nonstop. I was just alone in my room doing this nonstop. And I kind of stopped doing all of the things and stopped checking on the people that I always checked on. And everything kind of just disappeared. Like space and time didn't exist for a lot of us. And now as I'm starting to come up for air and starting to kind of reconnect with these imaginary friends I had in my mind, it's so amazing that I have this show where I have the now bravery or the reason to reach out to these people to be like, I just want to tell you how much your writing meant to me and how great I think you are. And today we get to speak to, or I get to speak to one of these people, and I'm so excited. Her name is Ann T. Donahue. She's written about on every major publication that you could think of. Uh, I'm going to put her uh, her blogs, her, I mean, the. Uh, anyways, I'm already like just nervous and trip, trip, tripping over everything. Uh, anyways, Ann T. Donahue, welcome to the show. Hi. Oh, don't be nervous. Oh my goodness. I just like shoved a uh, entire shepherd's pie into my person. <laughs> so I'm sitting here nervous that I'm going to have to halfway through be like, I need to take some ginger gravel. I made a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm at my parents' place right now, you guys, and you you know, I'm in my dad's office. So I'm like blurred out the backgrounds, but I wish my parents had some sort of ch- shepherd's pie to eat, you know? Listen, I buy frozen. Let's be honest. I do not know how to cut. <laughs> I live with my mom. I eat like Sophia and Dorothy. And we have like, she can cook and all that fun stuff, but she also works. So I'm like, I buy my frozen lunches for lunchtime, <laughs> like a real grown up. Today was Shepherd's Pie. Tomorrow will be lasagna. Oh my God. I love when you look forward to things later in the week in regards oh. to foodstuffs, you know? I started um, eating dinner for breakfast because I get so excited about the dinner that I have bought for myself that I'm like, I just got to eat it for breakfast. This yeah, is my life. I deserve this. this. Is this is, I deserve I this. You don't know what I go through. Um, So uh, listen, I want to tell people all about you. And I think that is just so hard because there is so much stuff that like I have like these personal memories of like things that you've tweeted or things that you've written about. But let's just slowly start by an article I just read today. Um, uh, The publication uh, you were talking about Ticketmaster. And you were talking about that. I think your last concert was in 2017 by the most famous uh, One Direction band member there is, right, Niall? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Well, yeah. I mean, who's Harry Styles? Yeah. Um, I was. I went to go see Niall in 2017. It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. But even at the concert, my friend and I were like, "This is late. We should get a head start on traffic." <laughs> And then when we both, the same friend and I got tickets to Harry Styles in, I believe it was May or June of 2018. And we got like, we get there, it's their Canada Center. And there's this massive lineup to get in because I guess the opening act was late. And we both looked at each other and I'm like, I don't want to stand in this line. And she's like, I don't either. So we decided to just go to the casino instead. And that's kind of been my relationship with live music since. I'm like, oh God, I can't, I cannot be around this many people. Like bless their hearts. But like, oh, I feel like Larry David, like 99% of the time in that way, where I'm like, should we just all just like tone down the enthusiasm for a second? We're going to get a seat. We've paid for our seats. Well, that's it. When you get old enough to start start looking forward to the songs that everybody's sitting down on, you're like, okay, oh, this is a good one. We can all sit. We all agree that we can sit down. We all agree. Like, 
It doesn't mean I like you any less. It means I'm so excited to be here, but I also know that like I have like a bad like sciatic nerve that I don't (laughs) know where we're gonna be landing that sciatic sciatic. I was doing erotic. (laughs) (laughs) I was yesterday singing to the tune of "Erotic" by Madonna, "Sciatic Sciatic" through the pain. Um, and it was my own fault. I thought I was a hero and carried a box of bubbly without preparing myself for it. 37, <laughs> Ryan, this is my yeah. life. 37. Oh, no. I Listen, I, if I move in bed wrong, it might take me out for a week. Like that's it just things just start giving up on your body. And nobody, everybody warns you about it, but you're so young that you don't listen to anybody's warnings about it. So then when it happens, you're like, oh, my God, I remember every I remember my parents telling me this for like a decade and I just never yeah. listened. Yeah. And now I still don't listen. Like I'll, I'll feel shitty today and I felt shitty yesterday. And then tomorrow I'll be like, I could totally lift this grocery. Like <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it's, I have no, I I'm, I'm a lost cause. It's fine. I'll always pick up my 20 pound cat and hold it like a baby. And <laughs> then I'll wonder why I'm in so much pain constantly. Um, the concert thing too, about leaving early. I always think about that as like, there are those definitive moments where you do start making these wise decisions, but at these like concerts and stuff like that, where you're like, well, they play the most popular songs at the end. And I already have heard the most popular song. I don't need, I'm not part of the lemmings. I don't need to be here. So I'm going to get a, a head start on that traffic. And there's something so exciting. And, um, you know, it's almost like the, that's the danger thing that you do in your life now is like, I left early at a Harry Styles concert. Like that's how baller I am. I feel like, there's nothing worse than when you're bonafide, like you're so excited to be someplace and then you turn around and you see like people who are not as excited as you. And I'm like, I don't want to be that not excited person bringing down the energy. Why would I do that? And if I am so lackluster that I can't even stand in a line, I don't deserve to see Harry Styles. Let someone else see Harry Styles. I shouldn't like, I won't, I can't do it. I'm just, what you point, what you pointed out in your article today. I mean, Ticketmaster is making it real easy for us to not to go to any of these shows because we legitimately can't afford it. Like there, I mean, it's gotten past a point of ridiculousness in terms of these big shows. You got Beyonce, Madonna, you've got all of these people all of a sudden touring Taylor Swift. And there's not even a possibility. Like, even if we were to get a verified presale thing, once you get in there, I mean, we were looking at, I was looking at somebody saying, oh, these tickets were $250 last week, and now they're $1,000 sold by Ticketmaster. So they make it really easy, where now it's like this weird status symbol, like buying a car, because you're literally buying a car to see your favorite artist. Yeah, which sucks. And I mean, like, I grew up in the, I was like a tween in the 90s and a teen in the 2000s. And like, that was still the heyday of like, you could go to things like a concert to see like broken social scene in 2006 was like $20. And like, that's, but that's how you learn about what you like and going to shows is fun. It's like cheaper than going to dinner. It's it's so it's like how you find community and like-minded souls. And it's just like, it's, I don't like the artists obviously aren't asking for a thousand dollars a ticket. It sucks. It sucks for everybody. And I am also a poor student again. So I am like, well, I guess I'll be watching a live stream somewhere. And you know what? I won't even because I'll end up watching reality television instead or the food network, which is something which else that Reality television, I think, is a cure for everything that ails you. And reality television always gets like the short end of the stick in, in that, you know, we're supposed to be ashamed of our tastes, ashamed of these things that we watch. And I was thinking a lot about this this weekend of how much reality television has taught me in my life. Um, good and bad. I mean, it's completely ridiculous, but at the same time, there are life lessons or even just the comfort of uh, 
you know, watching these stories, you know, that you're not alone, that you're, you know, it's like you, you're never as bad as Ramona pooping on herself and realize I was in New York. It's never that bad yet. No, although everyone does shit themselves in their adult years at some point. It happens. A hundred percent, Anne. A hundred percent. I'm just, just saying we usually don't have cameras it. on us. We don't have cameras no. on us usually. Yeah. No, but I would, I would, for, I would, if I was a reality show person, I would lead with it right in the beginning just to be like, got out of the way. Here we are. It happens. What if you're the reality show character that you're like, it just it just clarifies my IBS to a national audience. You're like, yeah, this guy cannot I, sit still at all. Like this guy's constantly moving to the bathroom. Does she have a sponsored emodium purse? Like what's going on? There's so much in there. <laughs> Is it clear for a reason? Is she getting a sponsorship? What's going on? Now I just always come back what's to happening? I always come back to a scene and I'm like, Woo, that was a tough one. That was tough. Wow. What's going on here, ladies? Yeah. Guys, just a peppermint tea for me right now. Thank you so much. I just, I'm not feeling good. (laughs) Roni, though, is very interesting because I think always of Roni, um, to me, that was like independent film. It was like, to me, it was a cut above because it was like David Mamet in a way of like four women speaking over each other. And each one of those women, their pattern of speech and what they were saying were so it clued you into exactly who they were and who you chose to watch. You could watch four different stories within one episode, depending on who you chose to watch that time. And it's weird now. Roni is in this kind of weird. Uh, they're not coming back with the original cast. Roni Legacy, which is supposed to have the older cast, is kind of hanging by a thread, supposedly because Jill Zarin is holding out for more money, which I'm just I don't even know what to believe anymore. I don't know what to believe anymore because I'm like, if that's true, just go with somebody else. Just say, Jill, sit this one out and we'll go, you know, with another past cast member. I know, um, but I love, I have to say, I did love Jill. Like, I did love. Yes, of course. So it's like, I, oh God. But then I think of that clip that keeps coming around on the internet where it's just like, so-and-so coming back. It's when she crashes their like spa day or whatever they go on vacation <laughs> and she shows up with her late husband and yeah. it's just like, oh, but Jill made it. Like she, oh, I'm I'm bummed about, about Legacy not painting it because apparently like I am, am a reader of Demois because- this is who I am as a person. I'm not even yes. going to be like, I love knowledge. No, Demois come on here a bunch of times. And I always like, listen, she says that this half of this stuff you could just make up. But listen, I grew up on Us Weeklies. I grew up Same. on, I grew up on hardcover Us Weeklies. You know, this is my walking three miles in the snow to go to school. I used to read it before the internet. And I, I was that weird kid that just sought this stuff out. And now for it to be there on my phone, and I and I'm grown up enough to be like, well, remember, a lot of this is probably not true, but it's still something exciting about it to me. Yes, it's like I I mean, here's the thing. I'm not like as a non-famous person sitting in Cambridge, Ontario right now, I got I I go to school, I like have very chill time. I love knowledge and gossip, but like now to find out like gossip about friends or acquaintances, that's like not fun anymore. You're almost like, oh no, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Like, <laughs> let's be like, it's not the same as when you're in your like teens and stuff. Yeah. And now I'm like, these are millionaires and I am going to enjoy finding out so-and-so's real dick or finding out so-and-so's really cool or find out like the don't worry darling drama was. Oh my, I mean. That to, sustained to, to, me. Yes, to think that the, the Florence and then you had the the Venice Film Festival where did uh, did Chris Pine spit on Harry Styles or did Harry <laughs> Styles spit on Chris? There was there was all this stuff and I was like wow. And then the movie came out and what I always find fascinating about pop culture today and even with reality shows is that mm-hmm. this drama 
totally eclipses the actual product that they're putting out. Like I saw Don't Worry Darling. I was like, oh yeah, cool. It was like a Black Mirror episode. I I liked it. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. what really did excite me was thinking about the fights that went down potentially that Harry Styles, that, that, that Olivia Wilde potentially lied to Jason Sudeikis and said there was COVID lockdown on set and then went and part. Like those are the things that really captured my imagination. I think it's always captured everyone's imagination, though, because when you think about like old Hollywood, everyone was obsessed with what was going on the lives of stars. The only difference is they didn't have the coverage that we do now. So like you knew that Lauren McCall and Humphrey Bogart were a thing, but you didn't under you didn't know the context under like it's taken, you know, decades of historians to be like, actually, he was married at the time and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And now it's like live as it's happening. And I was also kind of shocked at like when you think about the Venice film premiere, you couldn't like the the hatred was palpable like you could tell yes want to be there and it's like you guys are actors like this is, <laughs> yeah. this is you just have to keep acting in this moment just yeah. act like you like like yeah. the rest of us kind of have to like i'm sure you've been at things where you've been like i'm fucking hating this person but you're like what am i gonna do act like i hate him yes. no like i mean no, yeah for adulthood. that to be that blatant <laughs> For Florence Pugh to be that blatant in her dislike, I mean, she looked like the last scene of Midsummer with the the pout on her face without the smile when when he's burning up. And I was like, this is fa- fantastic. This is fantastic. Yes. And I thought, I thought, wow, this movie is going to make a billion dollars now. And it didn't. It didn't make the billion no. dollars that I thought it would. But this eclipsed all of that and i was just like man poor olivia wilde in a sense because yeah. there's only so many women directors working at that level and mm-hmm. the conversation now has completely gone away from like what she did with the movie what she tried to do with the movie and it was literally about like who she's hooking up with did she upset jason sudeikis even though jason sudeikis has a history of cheating on his relationships it was really just a very interesting thing to watch that happen uh yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was a fan of Booksmart. I liked that book movie quite a lot. Of course, yeah. And I, I don't, I think I was, it was just after a while, it becomes almost like disappointing where it's like, can you guys, you guys, can't get your shit together? Can you please just get your <laughs> shit together. All she, like, it would be so easy if like that phone call, the shy, shy, shy phone call, if she had just set out for the outcome, you know what, guys? It's true. I did fight for Shia. I like, there was some friction and stuff. Like, I think right now everybody's craving, well, I think the, pandemic kind of eroded all of our social cues and i think now yeah. everybody's like please stop it like let's just be let's just be honest like we don't need to be mean but you could be like yeah i fucked up i was like i was in a not a great place and i wish i hadn't done that and like people would love that people would have thought that was amazing to be like oh my god like she's really not shying away from any of this and then we wouldn't have the drama but we would be like oh yeah speak up for <laughs> no yourself. i mean well, it, you're you're right though, because thinking about in the old days, like you had like Hedda Hopper, and you had all of these people that were like the Perez Hiltons of their time, and you would read the the Tattler or whatever it was, and there was a voracious appetite. But that was even before social morals. Like, I mean, you know, uh, you know, they weren't outing actors. They weren't, you know, right. and people had people were the same people that they are today. They were just hiding everything so much more. And now you're right, everything is so in our face, twenty four seven. So. I mean, we grew up at a time where, you know, I'm older than you, but like when it was, you could romanticize everything. I was reading, in fact, you know, 25 years of Titanic um, and and you have a a section of the book where you talk about your love of Leonardo DiCaprio, how, you know, like you knew you'd be together, but you didn't (laughs) know how that was actually going to happen. And 
I was thinking <laughs> I about how the going to be an actor and we'd fall in yeah. love on. So I was like, I think, by the we'll way, you guys, she we'll... and she 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 accepted that she's going to be an actor, had no acting experience, didn't really know Zero. how that was going to happen. But no, those are the thoughts that youth you have where you're like, that's going to happen. I thought I was going to yes. be Corey Feldman one day, which is not oh. now. But when, it, when he meant, when he was like, cool, Corey Feldman, I thought that's yeah. for Corey Haim, if I was lucky. You, I mean, listen, now you're lucky because you get to just be yourself. You get to be Ryan. And that's just, that is great. And you should be happy about that. Yeah. Look at you. No, you're doing in great. retrospect, very happy. Yeah. Very happy. But I know it was like, you had, you had, I had no idea that about anything in Hollywood when I was 13, when we were in that era, that the nineties, early 2000s, it was what you were told and what was like packaged and given to you. And I think like, I would read like Us Weekly on the beach and you're like, stars are just like us. They do carry baskets. I also carry baskets at the grocery store. <laughs> and you couldn't really tell the difference between like what a, what I didn't know if paparazzi shoots were staged. I didn't understand how anything yeah. worked. So you're just like this machine, like you get discovered and you go in here and then you're a star and then life is so good and perfect. And then the more you find out, the more you're like, I am so happy to be like a nobody. Like, oh, could you, so I mean, could you imagine? Like, I think about how I look on a daily basis and how I mm -hmm. usually like I'll just stumble out. Just I'm, I'm wearing the same basketball like Adam Sandler, not a fashion hero of mine, but how I seem to dress. And yeah. if people would on a daily basis going like, oh, look, he didn't zip up a zipper again or like, like, oh, my God, he like that. That's disgusting what he's wearing. And I thank God I don't have to have that in my face at all. It's, yeah. I'm really thankful. Or I even think about like the relationship factor. Like I think about all like the guys that I've liked in the past and like, you know, I, some are awesome. And like, I look back and I'm like, oh, I like that we're still friends. Like he's cool. But then you have others you are like, oh my God, that he's a bad person. Like I wouldn't want my entire like thing dissected. That would be horrifying. <laughs> or I've acted like an asshole and you're just like, could you like, that would be like, all of this is like, you're supposed to grow and change. And I think with our like, fixation it's making it more and more impossible for like people under the spotlight to grow and change because they're being held like it's like everything is so snappy and you're like oh no but like if you look at don't worry darling or like the way the Olivia Wilde Jason Sudeikis Harry Styles thing now they're like in that that's always going to be attached yeah. to them whereas the rest of us can just we can fuck up and then we can come back and be like fucked up and uh only my close friends know and uh <laughs> sorry you guys had to listen to that yeah. <laughs> and remember when I like that guy and I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry that I talked about it all the time or like, yeah, no, no yeah. And your friends will remind you of those times. And they and, should, that's like, the, that's what oh, friendship is. Yes. And then you would finally have a little you. perspective where you can laugh at it when at the time it was the most serious thing in your life. You thought you were going to yes. die. You actually wrote this and somebody, I mean, it was not, but my friend had told me this and I was just rereading the book and you would, you know, you're only going to hurt this bad once in your life. And I remember it was like the, one of like a first, like a long-term breakup I had had. And I never felt pain like that because it was like the, the youth uh, heartbreak and your heart has never felt that before. So it's like the most intense feeling. And as you get older, you get used to that feeling. You, but at the time, now you can laugh at that self of like, I literally thought I was going to die. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I legitimately started telling people I'm probably not going to be here next week. I mean, just, it felt like you were dying. And yeah, every part of you was like attached to that thing like yes was really, yes you're just like and I who am i without like, that thing who am i without this thing who am i without this want or this desire and i always find that hysterical is that time really does change all of us time really does um and i i think time has changed pop culture in a sense too is that it is so much different all of those things that i did rush home to get my us weekly out of the mail and just be so excited we get so much of everything now that it does dilute 
all of these things, you know, like that thing where you would go to your thrift store and go through the records and find something that you had heard about. It was a real find and right. discovering music. I could never have, if I could have told you Spotify would have existed when I was a kid that I would have access to every album. And that, that's shocking to me. I, it's overwhelming to be honest. It's overwhelming to me. Like I have found that like, I used to be a music journalist and yeah. I can't keep up now. Like there's just no way I, I want, I think I aged out because I think a lot of energy goes into it and then bandwidth changes. The more like you come up against like things that happen in adulthood and you're kind of like, I don't have the bandwidth to care about who's cool. I just want to listen to what I want to listen to. But I mean, my favorite part of when I started doing music journalism was like waiting for the NME magazine to come to Canada and then I would get it. And then I'd go through all the new artists and I would just like, I'd listen to their MySpace or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, yep, yep. And I would like go get their CD and I would see when they were touring. And it was just like, then the opening acts for them. Like it was this, this, it yeah. felt like you were on like a quest. Like I was Nicolas Cage in the Declaration of Independence. And now it's like, I wish them well. Like, I'm just, I, I'm only just getting into like BB Bridgers and like boy genius and stuff. Um, because I mean, like my, I lost my dad a year and a half ago. And so like when that happens, like your entire world is just like, I don't give a shit about anything. I don't need yeah. more mascara anymore. Because, well, now I do, but like at the time you're like, I'm a mess and like everybody. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm it's so a great shirt, sad. by the way. I'm, I'm so a sad. Help. <laughs> I'm yeah. So sad. So now I'm like, oh, cool. Awesome. But it's not with the fervor that I would have had once upon a time, because I think having it so accessible is amazing. But then you're also like, there's not that that dopamine hit of when you find something. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you bring up Phoebe Bridgers. Like I had gotten on the Phoebe Bridgers bandwagon like four years. It was before pandemic. And I remember that first album, Stranger in the Alps. And I there's only those few moments where the, you'll hear a song. And for me, it was like funeral off that album where um, I would just drive around and I would keep driving to keep playing that song. Yes. Like, and yes. there were certain ones with like Sufjan Stevens from the Carrie, Carrie and Lowell album. Like there were certain, and it's been so long since I've had that experience where I stay in a car. Well, I'm not in cars a lot anymore anyways, but you know, where you just like, I need to keep listening to this, keep listening to this, keep listening to this. And that's what scares me is that, is that me? I'm hoping it's just because I'm older, but it, you know, with like Harry Styles and things like that, it's good to have these landmarks where you're like, okay, everybody should like him. Right. Okay. We at least have one popular person that we can all agree. Lizzo. Yeah. Pretty good. yeah. Lizzo. Pretty yeah. good. But other than that, I start getting sad because I think, oh, well, that's just an algorithm manipulating me. That's just an algorithm pushing things out because they know somebody that knows this band that wants to get this band discovered. So it's on your Spotify discover. And then you start thinking about like, this isn't even natural. This isn't, you know, Okay, I feel like this is me going to be an intervention with you in this moment. You cannot think that way because everything will get ruined. Everything is marketed to us all the time. You yeah. just have to see what you with like what you're what it's so stupid sounding, but it's like what makes your heart happy. Like when I listen to Summer Renaissance from Beyonce's new album, I feel like I am on top of it. Like I am in a montage of my own movie. And I know that like she's got billions of dollars behind her to like push her to the top of the algorithm but then I also know that I'm like with the feeling I'm getting from this where I'm like I forgot that like this and this suck or I'm late for this or I'm stressed for this that to me is like because if you don't if you don't connect with it you don't connect with it like how yeah. many artists have been pushed on this and I'm like I'm sure Bad Bunny is amazing but I also <laughs> know that I don't know who that is like I'm like that's amazing <laughs> for them I'm so happy for you like I just Yay. Or I look at like Machine Gun Kelly and I'm like, oh my uh, God, 
get a grip. Well, even, even that relationship this weekend, it's pushed on us like a Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee thing. And the thing is, they Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee, and I, I thought the Pamela documentary was really fascinating in so many ways yeah, she's from really like decades. Oh my gosh. I, I, I like mm-hmm. decades later, it was really, I was like, this is just such a great watch that I didn't expect to be a great watch, but they're kind of like, even they've said like Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. And I'm like, you don't like just you're going to be who you are. The fact that you're trying for this thing. And it's like, at a certain point, we've been there. We've seen that. We bought the tickets to the movie. Like we don't need to like see this. It it feels very manipulated. And like punk rock isn't about showing up at the opening of every envelope. Like he's at everything. And I don't even, I don't even know what he does. (laughs) Like I, he just seems like that guy, you know, from like, you know, high school, your early twenties. And they just always have something that they're do there's always a project and you're just like okay you know what I just wanted to know if you wanted to grab a tea like I'm just here like <laughs> my mom babysat you like we can just be cool and it's like yeah. and I'm sure maybe deep down in his soul he is the most chill guy but it's like I think a lot of us our capacity for that kind of performance art whatever it is I think a lot of us are too tired like when you think about how we've all changed since like the three ish years since COVID hit people have almost everyone has lost someone. We are confronted mm-hmm. by mortality constantly. We are all poorer are we're like, we're in a real problem in our economy. People are losing their homes. There's an open epidemic. Like everybody is like, I think we're not the little kids that were like, could just consume things that were pablum fed to us i think now we're looking for something authentic and when things are marketed to us at first we're like yeah machine gun kelly megan fox and now it's like what is this serving who is this for why isn't it satisfying me and then you realize that it's because you know it's how do you like we can't you're not you can't go home again so yeah i mean that's figured out and on a very simple level, I always say like, it's like people like Lenny Kravitz, Johnny Depp, all those people like, aside from all the, the court trials and all that stuff, I'm just like, how long it takes for you guys to get out of the house? Like you machine, like how many bracelets, how many necklaces <laughs> you're shoving yourself into these leather jeans that do not look comfortable. Like Machine Gun Kelly is wearing more fur coats than Elizabeth Taylor ever did. And I just like, that's gotta be exhausting. Like what if you just need to run to a 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee or something? Yeah, like also Machine Gun Kelly, I hope they're vintage fur coats because I mean, like you're, what are you doing? But come on, like, <laughs> You can you can afford a vintage shirt. You don't need to go kill in the army. You know what it's I'm like, saying? It's like no, it, it always feels like it's hot topic throwing up all over Machine Gun Kelly. Tough. And I know. And then I actually like I remember Megan. I feel like Megan Fox has just gotten the shit end of the stick like for 15 years because she had to work with the director of Transformers, Michael Bay, and Michael that was yeah. good. And then there's Shia, which is like woof. And then everybody really wrote her off. And then now it's this, and everybody's like, oh, she's yes, yay, she's great. And it's like yes, but now we're kind of looking at her under this the same microscope that we looked at Pamela Anderson under. And we now understand that took a massive toll. It's like, we got, a, we got we're, we're questioning. I think we're coming to a, a place where like, we're all starting to question intentions behind things, but I think we're still under the, the like, yeah, but we can say that and it doesn't matter because they're famous, but it's like, yeah, slippery well, slope. Let's be careful. I was just talking about to the audience, I think last week about 
you know, Machine Gun Kelly, regardless, I'm not a fan of his music, but I know a lot of people are, you know, and I don't want to take that away from anybody. So he yeah, has yeah. something, right? And like, we've all like Megan Fox, we like, you know, Jennifer's body and we, you know, she's, but at the same time, she's not, if you've checked her filmography, even in the last couple of years. So now we put her in the limelight again. She's more popular than she's ever been, but mm-hmm. more popular in the sense that you're not getting paid, you know, you're, you're getting paid influencer paychecks, you know, like modeling paychecks. But like after the Machine Gun Kelly thing, if that breaks up, and I hate to say, I do think it will break up many times. Um, I would imagine having a little bit of fear if I were her of like, okay, so where do I go if this all ends? I think there's like our relationship to relationships is very strange, like famous relationships, because it there's always a winner and there's always some sort of like somebody who loses. And it's... Yeah. I mean, I, we, I, and like to switch gears when we get to Vanderpump, like we're t- like, we can talk we're, about like, yeah, we're, Katie. I, that's uh, what I said. I'm going to, speaking of relationships, that was my next thing, but yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I, I think like that needs to change where, um, it says, I sound like Helen Lovejoy, like, please think of the children. But I think like, I can't imagine being put under, like looked at as a part of a duo yeah. and then one of us being a victor and the other one always trying to catch up to that amount of fame or being expected to catch up to that amount of fame or to who I was or what, like what's next for her. And it's like, she's just a person, man. And she came up in Hollywood and that means (laughs) you have been through some shit. Like let, she's just, I think, I don't know. I I heard once, this is going to sound so woo woo and I'm so sorry, but heard once that to stop being angry or to stop judging someone, you should think of them as like the little kid wearing a backpack on their first day of school. And then you, when you do that, you're like, oh man, like when she was a little girl, she didn't think this was going to happen. Like, or he didn't think that was going to happen. And yeah, it's just, I think like we're lacking some empathy, even though we're starting to exercise it more. Like I'm optimistic, but I'm still like, you have some way to go everyone, myself included, (laughs) myself included, because I think James from Vanderpump Rules is a sociopath and he needs to go. (laughs) Okay. Well now, uh, you know, you are an avid viewer of Vanderpump Rules. That show is so much in, in the DNA of my whole life. Um, Good. And season 10 just premiered. We're two episodes in and you're right. DJ James Kennedy is the sociopath, which I think is one of the necessary things you need for a reality show to be good. So he does fit nicely. And I always call him like Jack's 2.0, you know, like it's, there's the, and he, you know, he knows his way around a talking head. He's he says things that are just impossible to believe that a human says, but I I genuinely believe that he believes in the things yes. that he's saying, even though he's yes. covering up for massive insecurity. What is yeah. your relationship to this show? And are you liking this season? Okay, so my relationship with the show is when the pandemic started, I started watching the show. I think all of us, right? If you weren't into reality television, this is this was your gateway. The pandemic was your gateway. What else were you doing? Um, but right before the pandemic, I got into a car accident. And so I had to like, my plans all got canceled. I was laying low, going to physio and all that stuff. I was at home with my mom and dad. And like, what are you going to do? Watch reality television because you know, it's worse than being in like a car accident. Um, I think maybe being on reality television. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is, it is, it is a car accident. It is a car accident that we get to watch every week. I know. If, it, and if they do it right, if they do it right. If they do it right. And so like Vanderpump has like, at the time in the early seasons, you've got like jacks where you're like, you for sure are, you have sociopathic tendencies. I'm going to armchair diagnose you because you're telling Lisa Vanderpump to her face that you're the guy, this is your show. Like that's delusional, but he plays by those delusional rules. And James Kennedy does the same thing where I do believe he's not putting on an act and that's what's scary. 
where yeah. I don't think he, he's operating in a very different universe than everyone else, but that universe is real to him. And that's where you're like, oh my God, he's going to kill someone one day, I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and we'll all have seen it, and we'll all have seen it coming. We'll all yes, have seen we'll, it coming. <laughs> we're going to feel really bad and we're going to be like, are we, like sometimes I have a thread going with someone on my DMs where we were like, are we enabling him watching this? Because I can't stop watching well, it. But I'm also like, are like you need to, like you need to go for real help. Like, I, but then if you're really, well, and think, about, think it. about it again. I mean, this is a man that we've watched for the last three or four seasons have a tremendous issue with alcohol. We'll be back in just one second. I wanted to talk to you guys about this week's sponsor really quickly. And this week, So Bad It's Good, is sponsored by Nutrafol. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I am obsessed with Nutrafol. Uh, It is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement and is clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Now, you're like, Ryan, you have beautiful hair already, but you you guys know, I've talked about this in the past where I'm like, I'm starting to see like little, you know, starting to see it kind of recede back. And I was talking, I made this list on uh, on my app of like things that I want to improve. Like, you know, do you ever do that? Like, oh, I've got like a pat, like I'm getting dry patches of skin here and there and I need to, to go see somebody about this. And this was something that I was talking about, about receding hairlines. And so it was so awesome when this product got sent to me and I was like, oh my God, This actually is something that I'm trying to work on myself. And how also crazy, because this is for women and men at the same time. I mean, 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, know you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. And that's with Nutrafol. And uh, I love Nutrafol. I got to tell you, I've been taking it now for three weeks and I mean, listen, I know I'm probably seeing what I want to see, but have you guys seen some of the YouTube? My hair looks luxurious. I'm not even joking. Also, I know this is kind of like beyond the point, but this is some of the most beautiful packaging I've ever seen. Look, I'm shaking it right now. It is this beautiful, beautiful, like, I think this is like glass. It is like this bottle is just, I, I can't, I'm trying to explain. I'm going to probably put a picture up of this because it is just a, uh, like, I'm going to save this bottle after I'm even done with my supplements. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'm talking way too much now just about the beauty of a bottle when it's this amazing product. Uh, millions of Americans experience thinning hair. And it's it's more than common. It's normal. But it's not openly talked about, right? Especially amongst women. So going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. It is time to change the conversation and join the thousands of women who are standing up for their strands with Nutrafol. Nutrivol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. My, they should actually make target six root causes, and one of those should be Lisa Rinna. <laughs> Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician-formulated using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000-plus top doctors and stylists recommended Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. 
so you can grow thicker, healthier hair and support So Bad It's Good, our little show right here, by going to Nutrafol.com, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, and I'll put this in the show notes as well, and all you have to do is enter the promo code So Bad. Which is like, we should do so good because this product's great, but the product code is so bad to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is the best offer anywhere and is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. So you also get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. And use promo code so bad. Uh, a couple of other facts, just really quickly, just to to sell you guys even more if you're not already, is it you know it's only a simple addition to your morning routine. I take four pills in the morning. Um, it's four pills you take every morning, and you're going to begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in about three to six months. Um, Nutrafol not only offers hair growth nutraceuticals, but also customized supplements as well, like hair growth duos and topical support with growth activator hair serum so that you can build a tailor-made daily wellness regimen based on your specific needs. Um, so go to the website, poke around. That's all you need to do. Visit Nutrafol.com. You can even take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are, re- that are unique to your own hair's needs. It's uh, neutral women, especially it's ideal if you're experiencing that thinning hair caused by stress, dieting, overstyling and environmental toxins, while women's balance is formulated with additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. Now, remember, healthier hair takes time. You'll begin to experience that, like I said, in three to six months. The powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, but you may also notice improvements to your your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and better skin and nails. When you subscribe, you're going to receive automatic monthly deliveries so you will never miss a dose. Now remember, that's Nutrafol.com, promo code SOBAD, and that will be in the show notes as well. And listen, I was talking to my mom about this because my mom's currently bald, (laughs) but after all the chemo and she's able to um, you know, start growing hair again. And hopefully we we're like, we should try this. We were like, she was like, give me some of this. And I was like, hell yeah, I will mom. Okay. You guys back to our show. We've all seen Massive. it. We saw him when he was like, it wasn't just a light problem. Like he was no. really became a whole different person. He even became meaner and all of that, if that yeah. was possible. And then the first episode, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm drinking again. You know, I like my wine with my charcuterie and I don't really. And then Lisa comes up to him at the DJ booth at Sir. And she's like, I oh, you're drinking again. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, just be. And I'm like, she's like, well, just be careful. And it's like, wait a sec. You literally said he could not work at Sir anymore if he continued drinking. And now he admits to drinking. You're like, well, just make sure you drink some water with it. Like, I mean, it was I'm like, talk about enabling. And I that to me was fascinating. It is. I think that really differentiates between real friendships and relationships and cast friendships and cast yes. relationships, like yeah. fictional versus not. Because I mean, I, and I've written about this, like I, this is, this year for me will be 10 years sober, which is pretty cool. And I, anytime I've even joked with a friend, like, where I've been like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to get a beer. Like, and it is like a, I think one time I said to a friend in Niagara Falls, I was like, oh, I want beer nuts. But she just heard the beer part. (laughs) And right away, right away, their reactions are always like, what? What Okay, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, you don't need to. And I'm like, I'm not going to, guys, I love you so much for giving a shit. But like, I promise if I was like, at that point, I would have come to you already, blah, blah, blah. But that's to me, not a real friend. Like, I wouldn't, if someone came up to you, was like, well, make sure you have water with the, I'd be like, okay, I have an addiction. Like, this isn't like, you don't dabble in it. Like, 
James, I think that's the other part of his transformation whenever he's obviously indulging is it's a little bit scary and not in a TV. Like it makes me, it's starting to make me feel uncomfortable in a way that's like, uh, like watching someone at a party where at first you're like, oh, blah, 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 whatever, they're doing whatever. And then they cross that line, whatever it may be. And you're like, I think, do you think we should like get someone to cut, like get him out of here? Like what, like it's that feeling of like, I don't feel like something's unsafe and I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. It's weird. You can't put your nest. You can't put a, like a finger on it. It's like weird because, and also he's out of the point where he still makes you laugh, but in a horrible ways, like him making fun of Peter, which, which you know, poor, really sad. poor Peter, <laughs> Peter, like I always say like, poor Peter, he's like literally the only one still counting waitresses out at the end of the night. He's yeah. like really, truly working there. And I you love know, Peter. I mean, listen, I don't love Peter, but I respect I just, that's I, the word. Sorry. <laughs> I, it may, you know, like there's sat like him watching Raquel cry on their date. And I just thought like, Peter has probably saw seen a lot of women cry on dates before. Like, it seems like he potentially might be that person that everybody like dates when they're like having a hard time. And he's like, yeah. listens and he's like there. And he like, really, cause you know, we got to try to hug her and stuff, but there's something like, I'm trying to think about what is it about Peter that he's not ever able to, cause he's good looking dude, nice mm-hmm. guy. Seems like he has a work ethic. Uh, what is it about him that he is not, is he not insane enough to be part of the main antics? Like we finally I get a Peter so. storyline. I think he's kind of like Albie and White Lotus where <laughs> he seems like a good guy. Like his whole thing is like, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. But it's like, yeah. do you see women as equals? Like, are you, or are you going to rescue them? Do you want a damaged bird or do you want a whole person? And I yeah. think like Peter's always associated with somebody who's identifying someone as a damaged bird and Raquel is presenting as that. And it's so weird because in real life, they could just be the best actors of our generation where they are nothing like these people that were watching them on television. And they are, we don't know. I mean, we know, but (laughs) Raquel, I mean, Rick, I've met, I've I've hung out with Raquel a bit. And like the one thing that always impressed, well, they, they aren't acting like they like I've hung out with like now a, a good majority of them. And I don't mean that in a braggy way at all, just, but like, it's fascinating to like a show and then watch them. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so dead on. Like you're exactly who you are. Like Sheena, every time I'm around, she's literally texting somebody in a fight with one of the cast members and they're not even Ooh. filming when I've hung out with, you know, and it's like, holy crap, you live this way. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And Raquel, though, I can never get a beat on her personality. Like I can never get like, I was there at that Daily Mail party that they showed this week and I had seen that and I was I didn't even realize the Peter stuff was happening. I was more like, oh, DJ James Kennedy's here with his new girlfriend, Allie. And I and asked her, like, are you okay? And she like looked at me and she's like, Yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't I be okay? And I was just like, wait, like, and I was so confused because I was like, wait a sec, it's obvious why you wouldn't be okay. I was she always confuses me. Like, I always like, do you know like what's what's like, but at the same time, she's like this person that we're seeing like actually find a voice supposedly, but then it doesn't jive with me. What did you think of that picture that she posted with her and Schwartz on Saturday mm, uh in front I- of the Schwartz and Sandy sign? I think it's one of those, this is the thing I think going back to transparency where it's like in terms of like, there's nothing authentic about that. There's nothing like it's, it's transparent and that we know exactly what that was for. Like, why would any of us post a photo of yeah. us in shorts in that position? It's just like stoke the embers and they like keep the fire going. But 
And, think- and we, we eat it up. That was one of her most liked Instagram yes. posts of all time. And everybody was like, no way. Oh my God. And the, the glee people were taking in writing a comment underneath it. I think there's like, for me, I sometimes I feel so split because I fucking love that kind of, like, I love, I think I captioned what I posted. I'm like, I love culture. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love knowledge. I love information. It does not apply to me. My life is not affected by it. And then I think I'm like, you know, if you sign up for reality show on Bravo, like you're living in a different world than the rest of us. And so thus you are playing pretend, so to speak, but also real. It's very strange. But then there's this other part of me that's just like, what is the long-term effects of this going to be on their psyches? Like what, like, are they going to be able to maneuver through the world in 20 years when we don't really care anymore? Like that's that, that little great, that little nagging feeling of like, Oh girl, like every decision you make right now is about to affect your direct future. Like, I just (laughs) want her to find her voice and just turn around one day and just be like, you know what, James, fuck off. Like everyone is in the deepest voice ever of like, fuck off, James. Like I want her to like legitimately find the deepest voice that she like, because by Mm -hmm. the way, her voice, I even keep pointing out is more solid than it was last season. So it's slowly happening. But like, I, I mean, I, I think we all relate to Raquel in the sense, like in this past week's episode, she said, you know, I really just don't even know what's going on with my life. And she was very honest of like, Mm -hmm. DJ James Kennedy used to pay for everything. And now I'm broke all the time. And like, that was a kind of a weird comment, but it's like, okay, that's honesty at least. But then posting this stuff with like Schwartz, where it's like, listen, as somebody that's been through a divorce, I always say is one of the worst things that you could go through. And I don't, I would, if that was on reality television, I don't think I could have made it. And we all know that Katie had to ask him for a divorce because she was the only one that would have been brave enough to make that decision because he kept like he he admitted to cheating on her multiple times in the marriage and then in this week's episode it goes oh talking about dating it almost feels like cheating on katie still i'm like well what about all the times you actually cheated on katie in the marriage did that feel like cheating and i mean i think she also mentioned that like the restaurant was the other woman in their relationship but there were other women like I think it's you know like, who the other women were. The other women, the other yeah. ones. I I remember when I first started watching the show. I didn't like Katie. I was a big like, oh, she's of always course, yeah. And now I'm like, actually, Katie's like the she keeps it real, man. Like she's she's very like this is it. So I am like she's. I don't feel like there's airs being put on in any way, shape, or form. And like even when you look at her like conversation with Sheena that like well, they posted on Instagram, yeah. She's very thought out. She's not reactionary. She's going in with like a lot of like, no, this is what, this is how it's, this how it looks. This is what you did. I'm not interested in that. Like, and you're like, that's, I think the realest person that's ever been on the show is Katie. And we were like, we were like, we're such, oh, she was such a buzzkill. It's like, I would be too. When I think about it, if you put me in any of those parties, I'd be like, what, where did my life go that I'm here? Like what happened to me? Like what? But elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. But Schwartz always, Schwartz was always, listen, Schwartz is is funny, he's quirky, he's attractive. So everybody always goes, and not that Katie isn't attractive and all that, but he was always the one that kind of... He was able to shine a little brighter by being the doofus and being this guy. Right. And we always like, oh, and we see how like what a bummer Katie is. And it's like, maybe she's not a bummer. Maybe that relationship forced her to be a bummer because she was always worried where her dude was going to be and how her dude never chose her. And that's got to like make you feel wildly insecure. So that's why this season, it's really nice to be like, none of us can really argue with anything Katie's saying because she's dead on right. She's right. right. And I mean, when you think about, can you imagine how exhausting that would be to be with somebody who's entire shtick is like oh, i don't know anything and it's like but you do because i got drunk university. and i hooked up with somebody i don't remember it though i'm so right? sorry you this know? is a man who was, wasn't he going to go into pre-med or something like that like wasn't he like he's actually book smart like he's actually a smart yeah. person so 
you, that whole shtick is like, this doesn't track, man. Like this is obviously, it's fine in your early twenties. I think when you're still figuring out a lot about yourself, but I think when you hit, what is he 40? Yeah. I think it's like right in that ballpark. Yeah. Like this is the point in your life where you're supposed to cut bullshit and just, if you're unhappy, you say you're unhappy. If you're like, you say it because there's nothing to lose, but it's like, it's kind of trying you know to Schwartz isn't doing the work now. You know he's not like seeing a therapist. You know he's not taking the hard look at himself. You know that whatever relationship he does get himself into is going to be littered with the same minds that this one with Katie was. And mm-hmm. that I find, and by the way, I say that for myself too, is that like that's really it's hard to watch because you're like, oh man, I've been a Schwartz at times, or I've been like that's there's something about men, like we are such big pussies when it comes down to the real work, the real stuff. And I know that's so sad when I'm talking about this in terms of Vanderpump rules, but this is why these shows teach you great life lessons. Um, that's the thing. Did you read Naomi Fry's piece in the yes. New Yorker? She did. Yes. Yes. So like, I think that's the thing that people, I really don't like when people dismiss reality television like this, because you really are learning a lot about the human condition in terms of um, like, there's so much, there's a lot of gender stereotypes that certain characters, cast members of Vanderpump, et cetera, play into. But then there's also ones they fight against. Like Sandoval's a character, like a real character, but he's also someone that's just like, I fucking look good in drag. And this is like, like he's not yeah. a drag queen, but you're just like, he's only like, it's there, there wasn't like a side eye or just like, I'm just, I'm just like, it's interesting to see that because you're like, well, that's interesting because you see someone like, uh, like super presenting as an alpha male, Jax who wouldn't be comfortable in that. Like, it's like, you are seeing different things or James Kennedy's obsession with weight. It does, it connotes something much bigger. And then we don't talk about that. Like a lot of, I mean, eating disorders are rampant in all genders. Like it's not just a woman thing. And it's like, what is this saying about James? Like, where is this pressure to be thin coming from? Like what's playing into that? Like, there's a lot of ways you can like examine Vanderpump and see it as, much more of a comment on society and what we value versus just a bunch of like drunk people doing shit. Like it's, yeah. these are still people. And you're like, these are still people who are now, this is their now reality. This isn't yeah. like, this is their life. So what is this saying about them, about us, the things they present as like issues, like Raquel had that fear of speaking. What is that? Like, why? Like, where did that come from? Was it because like, you? I would love to just sit down one-on-one with them for like a day each and be like, okay, hit hit me like let's talk about it what has happened what does this mean why are you like there that's the thing as much as i want to rag on them i'm also still like fuck man they're like people just trying to make it in the world and everything's scary right now (laughs) that's what i always say like and i was so happy that i really enjoyed the first two episodes because i was like okay if vanderpump rules can heal maybe i can heal too because you know (laughs) listen we all hated the ninth season and also it was a pandemic season and blah 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 but Mm -hmm. we all just it didn't feel the same vibe so if i can just pick up a little bit of feeling if i can and maybe that is going to chip away at the ice that i have built up in my heart and like that's the thing that you look at these shows for but i like what you said earlier too about the long-term effects of watching reality television and being on mm-hmm. reality television, nobody's really studied that. It's like COVID. We don't really know in 10 years what yeah. this will do to us. But really think about it. Like, what will our brains be like 20 years from now if we've now hit like, like season 50 of Real Housewives of Orange County? I mean, like, we're so... Like I go into rooms expecting people to flip tables now. Like I go yes. into rooms. I'm like, this is what you call an argument? This is nothing. You know, Teresa's so much more passionate. It's just yeah. weird. <laughs> I mean, like... I think when, well, New Jersey is a perfect example of that too, where it's like, you're watching someone put their character above like family for family. real. Like, what is this? Like, what is this? And 
when you see like the first seasons, because I started so late. So it was, re- I got to binge like nine seasons, 10 seasons in a row. So you see like a really quick, like yeah. evolution. And the first se- seems like these amateurs who've been somehow given a television show and they're just like, I'm on TV. Like they're like those things that you like fill up with air and are like, oh, the crazy wacky car guys. <laughs> and you're like, look, they're trying their best. And now it's like, are you playing into the the character you've created like you can't this can't be every day all day every day because that would be exhausting no one could live like that but then if that's what you have actually grown into because everybody I mean I don't know about you but we've all hit points now where we become monsters <laughs> and you're like you turn around one day and you're like what yeah. happened well that's what you said I said we you know people talk about oh that was a bad season and I'm like dude I've had bad seasons of my life you know, the only yeah. difference is that nobody's online for the most part saying like, oh my God, Ryan had the worst season of his life last yeah. year. It was hard to watch him at all. And we are like that. We're so easy to do that with reality television when it's like, yeah, man, like maybe they just had a really bad year. Like Heather Gay on right. Salt Lake City this season, I think had a really bad year. That was rough. Hopefully, that was bad. Hopefully we'll see her come to some kind of conclusion about herself, but who knows? Um, Sandoval though is funny because I, I had once asked him, he, he was on and I said, uh, how... I said, this thing, just how much do you get upset or like, do you get really worried going into a season, not even just filming it, but then the after effects of knowing that everybody can start making the memes, pitting people against each other. And he's like, dude, my stomach is so upset every, like he has like this slight little list that I can't put my finger on, but he's like, dude, my stomach is in knots. Like, and he's like, and then it's not even the filming of it. Cause then you'll watch the edit and you'll be like, oh no, they took the whole three lines out. And so it looks like I just jumped to anger immediately, you know? But that's like, and that will also, that's also effective because then they're going to start censoring themselves, right? To see how, yeah. how would this be an edit? Like, okay, we'll get up the middleman, get up the explanation. Just go, like, that is an amount of stress that I don't think a lot of people should actually have to endure because I can't imagine that. And I think about like also the way that we really started. I mean, and I see this on across Instagram and everything, the way like people are really fixating on the looks of like, because everybody's faces have changed and they've evolved and whether it is plastic surgery or not, that's not our business. That's like, this is their face, it's their body. They do what yeah, they yeah. want. They fucking love that for them. But like, that's not normal either. Like I, like, like you said, we can leave the house and look like shit or look amazing. And that's great. But could you imagine millions of people being like, no, they got, look at their bad lips. They look like shit now. Yes, blah, blah. Like, dude, the I was reading comments on one of Ariana's posts. And like, I always think like Ariana's like so beautiful. So like, I don't really even think about it. I just, and then somebody was like, oh, you got to work on this and work on this. I'm like, imagine being so miserable in your life where you go to somebody else's where you enjoy them on TV and then tell them the body part that they need to work on, Absolutely that they're not, not hiding. And you're like, you just can't imagine Listen, I always say this too, because it's like this slippery slope that I've got to check myself on because I always like, okay, don't hate people in your real life. Hate these people that we talk about, like hate Jax Taylor, <laughs> hate Jax Taylor. I always like, well, it's mean, okay. Yeah. Hate Lisa Rinna, hate Lisa Rinna. Like these are the people, but even that I know is kind of shaky in uh, the thought of that, but it's true. It's like, man, people feel so comfortable treating them like they are just TV objects. And I'm not like boohoo pity on reality people, but it is but fascinating. I'm a little, <laughs> Well, (laughs) at the same time, it's like, it's like you talk about Sandoval coming on your show and talking about how anxious everything makes it. And like, there's a part of me right, right away divided. It's like, well, you've chosen that you've, you signed a contract, you have millions of dollars. That's your trade-off. But then the other part of me is like, but if that's what you've become used to, and that's going to work for you, like that, as in I'm going to work today, like that's my office. Um, How do you get out? Like that that's become your identity. Like, how do you come out of that? And then how do you like, fandoms are so awesome in so many ways and they're so dangerous in other ways because 
I think we expect certain behaviors and in real life, we don't expect certain behaviors unless it's like be a good friend or listen, or like I come to expect things from friends, i.e. like, or even conversations with you. Like I expect you to listen when I'm speaking and like, but we're expecting character traits now. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's obscene. That's insane. Like, how could you imagine if like, I mean, that's, we also don't know what's going on really in their lives. Like we don't know, like I'm sure with you. And I know with me, I have there, I've been going through horrible things and no one would ever know because of what I present when I'm working or writing. But like, there's so much, I just, I'm very looking forward to the era of like the real, like when all the old Hollywood stars started writing their memoirs, like Betty Davis and stuff. I'm yeah, looking forward well, to that era with well, these people. <laughs> I mean, as we start winding down, this has gone way too fast. Um, uh, it has. This is lovely. Really, I mean, um, but don't worry. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not letting you go yet. I do need to okay. talk a couple of things, just in terms of celebrity and like. I could talk to you about Vanderpump Rules the whole. In fact, please come on another time just to recap <laughs> Anytime, an episode, you just if you'd me, be yeah. willing to, because absolutely. I, I uh, all but real quick though, the Schwartz the Schwartz Katie thing that just came out in text messages. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, the Sheena Katie's thing that they're like releasing each other's text messages. Come on. I mean, like, I like, I appreciate who Sheena is for that show and who Sheena is, but come on, you know, not to set, you know, not to even tease about setting Raquel and Tom up. Like, it, come on. Yeah. Like, if it's a divorce, like, this is, it's truly beyond the point of like funny or for the show or like, it's, it's weird. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. I think. Empathy is a very important thing. And I think like, even if you are a fucking millionaire on a hugely watched Bravo series, like you need to maintain at least a little bit of empathy because if you lose that, then you lose humanity. And that's the only way I think acting through empathy, even though that's your last thing where you're like, you know what? I feel too bad. I can't do it because I feel bad. I would love to do it, but I feel too bad. That keeps you connected to like morals and being a decent person. And I think as soon as you start to do to eject empathy for the sake of a show or for a storyline, you're losing touch with real concrete humanity. And like, we're seeing that enough in other aspects of the world right now. And I mean, I don't know. I would just love to see, I'd love to see Sheena explore. Like people are like, I'm tired of like mom storylines or whatever, but I'm like, well, why? Like, don't you, that's that's interesting. Wouldn't you want to see Sheena be a mom? Wouldn't you want to see if Sheena's a helicopter mom? Wouldn't you want to see like, the only, the only, like I'm, I'm totally okay with Jax not being on Vanderpump Rules anymore, except the only thing is sometimes I wish I could see if he was a performative father, if he was a great father. Those are questions that I sometimes will sit there and think about like a maniac. Or how do you parent when like, you've been uh, like untethered this entire time and being a parent requires you to anchor yourself and to create and to put your kid first. Like, how do you do that when you've been putting yourself first in this way? Like, these are huge questions that could be well, so interesting. I, I always think the best documentary, which would go again, like the first year any of these people are let go from Housewives or Vanderpump Rules or mm-hmm. any reality series, that's when I think they would be the most interesting to film because that yeah. loss of attention and that loss of, and you see the Housewives, especially they panic and then they start a podcast or something like that, whatever. Um, but that to me, that kind of, not desperation per se, but that kind of uh, like, oh my God, I thought that would last forever. You know, like you start to realize, oh, it really is a lottery to be on a successful reality show. Like that's, and now it's gone. That to me would be fascinating to watch somebody go through that. Also the revelation, and this is something I found in my own life, where that void that you're trying to fill 
with success and like milestones and blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't get, that's never filled. That's something you have to, that's your own work that you do eventually to realize that like how to reprioritize, how to work through things that you've been bottling up, like everything. But could you imagine being catapulted? Like you're chasing the high, chasing the high, chasing the high, getting more and more famous, doing this, you're on the show, everybody, blah, 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 bravo, con, da, 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 da. And then it ends. And then immediately you go into like considered a has been or yeah, some former yeah, yeah. cast member. And could you imagine what that would do if you had been doing all of that to fill a void that won't be filled by doing that anyways? Like, could you yeah. <laughs> imagine? I would love if someone left, went into psychology, became like, they, that's, like that's, and not like a Dr. Yes. Drew, but like a real one that's like, what? I wrote a fucking PhD on this. Here we go. That's right. Even even bringing the Kardashians into it, I was like, you know, it's like Chloe, just go get a degree. Go get a degree. You got plenty of money. Go go learn something about the world. Go really dig. Like I mean, like even Kim's doing being a lawyer and stuff like that. Go, you know, or like you know, like oh, how is it happening with these men? And like, go date an accountant. Go date somebody that does not is not on Instagram. Like you know, that would be such a challenge to see if these people, you know, the reality of their reality. I don't know. I always think about that kind of stuff. I think about how, when you mentioned that, I think immediately, I'm like, oh my God, though, everything has a bubble, right? Like the real estate market has a bubble, the economy, blah. this has a bubble too. And what's going to happen when it does burst is it will, and then we will retool and then we'll have something else. Like, I mean, reality television used to be just competitive series and then yeah. like things changed. And so eventually this bubble will burst and then we're going to have something else, but it's, I, it would be interesting to be able to talk to people about like, what are your coping mechanisms for when and if this ends because it's, it's going to everything ends. So how do you, how do you reconcile your old hopes and dreams with what you've learned now? What, like, do you need to be humbled or do you need to find confidence? Because I'm sure people, I'm sure if I was a star of Vanderpump Rules and I was being scrutinized, even like this, I'd just, I'd be a rat. I would, I could never go on a reality show. I would be a disaster. I would be depressed. I would be Oh, and oh imagine, imagine, the, imagine the one thing that somebody would exploit of your personality on a reality oh, show God. that people would pick up immediately on. You know what I'm saying? Like, because the camera, you know, editing lies and all this stuff, but the camera usually doesn't lie. So they can, the audience is pretty sophisticated these days where they can pick up on things like immediately. And I always wonder like, what's the one thing they'd pick up on that'd be like, oh, you just cut me to the core. That's like always what scares me. It's like what a te- how like, I, I remember John Mulaney had this bit a couple years ago where it's like how teens can just find the one thing about you and like that that guy walks like this and you're like oh my god like yes it's exactly right like I think it's so I I know and it's just like I I just sometimes I just want to wrap a blanket around each and every cast member of Vanderpump and be like okay we're gonna hang out for like three hours I have so much tea and we are it's like deprogramming deprogramming it's like you know like you are okay it's it's gonna be okay, and maybe, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not gonna be okay. Yeah, and I can't, I don't, like, it's, I don't it's not know. okay for any of us. This does not end well for any of us. Um, I know it's like there is war, man. Like, let me think about that. Who are you voting but, for? Can we talk about? And that? then when the when the bubble bursts for all of this stuff, that's what my fear too is that like we're gonna have to take care of these bachelor and bachelorette contestants for the rest of our lives. There's only so much tummy tea to push. There's only so much like what are these people like? That's the thing I want to see like. I don't, you know, the NFL is one thing. They're potentially giving each other brain damage. Hopefully the NFL is taking care of them. But what about all these reality stars that we have to follow on Instagram? Who's going to take care of them when everything, because it's going to be us. It's going to, they're going to look to us to like keep their lifestyle going. 
Is I mean, I don't have the money to keep their lifestyle going. Like I genuinely, they can't look to me for money because I'll just, I don't have any. But if I would be happy to be like, if they look to us to be like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I cope? I'll be like, listen, we've all been through some shit, myself included. If you want to just shoot the shit and be real, if we want to like introduce language that will make people feel <laughs> that's better. The reality star whisperer. Like, the reality, this is like kind of an amazing, this is like kind of like a celebrity rehab for reality stars without drugs or alcohol, be, just attention. Yeah. And I would be like, listen, this will not be filmed. We will never talk about it outside of these <laughs> sessions. I will never talk. Like, we're going to get you feeling like a person. And you're going to like, but you got to do a lot of work and it's okay. And uh, then something bad will happen. And then you're going to have to rebuild again. That's because that's what adulthood is, right? Isn't it just yeah. re- you rebuild and you rebuild and rebuild. And hopefully, I think what scares me the most is when I think about this, I, I genuinely do hope that say that we'll use the Vanderpump cast. I hope they have people around them for real. They give a shit because yeah. that would be so lonely if they didn't. And that's no way to live. And I hope that they, and I'm sure they do, but I just want to make sure like, I'm like, do you please have people have people like, cause you need people. It's like in Fleabag when she's like, people are all we've got. Like yeah. people are all we have at the end of all of this. It's, if I've learned anything from the three deaths and the fucking pandemic well, and the car crash, dude, that's people what I, are I mean, we and well, in Ray here, but uh, but at some point, I do want to talk to you about like TikTok and the evolution of celebrity in the sense that everybody's mm-hmm. a celebrity now at a, a certain point. But I was at uh, my buddy's dad's funeral this weekend, and we had all we were all there, like all of our friends, like from the last twenty years, and that was the thing I was talking about on the show today, where I just said. You know, it's so interesting to learn about somebody through um, their funeral, their celebration mm-hmm. of life. You get to hear about all of these things that you were not aware of. And I just said, like, you know, what is to stopping me to call my friends and go, tell me, tell me more about you. Like, what the, what the hell's going on with you? And we, I saw so many people that I hadn't seen in years because of the pandemic. And I was like, why the F? Like it takes this, you know, but like, that was the thing is like, yeah. we have this huge gift and not just reality television. We have this gift of actually knowing real life people in our real lives. And it kind of was that reminder of like, oh man, yes. I have to get back to some semblance of a real life. That was the same. And I know that you're like, we're pressed for time, but that's, that's, that was very much the same for me where I, you all of a sudden the pretense of like, what are you like doing these days? What projects are you working on? Blah, 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 blah. Like where I really believe that the people, my close friends and even family, I thought, okay, if I don't stop, if I don't stop my momentum, if I don't stop working, blah, 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 they're going to yeah, see yeah, yeah. that I am a human person and they're not going to want to be in my life anymore. And then I had, you know, three years of extreme challenges and nobody gave a shit that I wasn't working in that like, oh, you're not doing anything. It was, you know, food deliveries to like my house with my mom and like friends being like, want to go for a walk? Like we got you. And it's like, this is so much more important to me. Like, Like friend people are more important to me. And then you realize when that starts happening, you realize that there's so many people out there that you're like, well, maybe I can help them by like, let's start by not being a dick to someone who's asking for change <laughs> on the street. Like maybe that is a person too. Yeah. Everybody's like, how do, how do I be a person again? I can just do, how do I do basic kindness? Uh, you people know. are all we've got. Like at the end of all of it, it's like, that is all. At everyone's funeral, they're not going to give a fuck about your Instagram followers, but they will care about how you made them feel. And I think that's... See, I'm hoping that God does pay attention to the Instagram followers. I'm hoping... I, I have I, done, well, I'm on I'm a decent thought, run so. right now. He sees up there. He's like, are you verified? Are you? Is it true verification or is it... Um, yeah. <laughs> God um, help us if he drives a Tesla. Oh my God. <laughs> you get up there and he's just like... Can you believe I created Elon Musk? He is killing it down there. This oh my is God. Great. Um, 
And what is going on with you in terms of like, I, I think you are one of the most prolific writers that I've, I've, I've well, thank you. just, I, I, you know, I just remember geeking out so hard on you for so many years when I was working a desk job and, and I was speaking of, you know, it would make me feel less lonely or something, you know, like that. And I think your book is beautiful. It's nobody cares. You guys uh, go check that out. It is a great read, but what else is going on? And I see you write articles for pretty much everything. You have your own sub stack. Like how do we support? Okay. Okay. Well, I, my sub stack's free because I don't, the idea of like people paying me and then ha- me having to abide by a schedule for like, I can't do it um, in that way. So I'm like, oh, you can sign up for my sub stack. It's free. You'll get an essay maybe once a week. I don't know. It depends on the mood. Um, <laughs> Where's my free essay? It's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> give me it. Give me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, st- I, I basically like car accident 2019 pandemic. And then my dad died in 2021. And my grandpa died three months exactly after that. And then we lost my uncle at the start of a year ago, actually this week. So I didn't write very much at all. And so I have now a recurring comment column for CBC arts, which is, I have so much fun writing that. Um, I have 29 secrets, which I've been writing. That was my first job ever. So I'm like, I'll never leave you. I love you. Um, I'm which, starting by the way, there's like, a great Leo DiCaprio article in there. Why, <laughs> why you should date people over 25. Yes. I'm starting to write again, which is nice. I'm so, I haven't done a, I haven't, you were my first podcast in a very long yeah. time. Um, Listen, thank you so much for doing this. Like, I, 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 I didn't even, I've been so far up my own ass that I was like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know if you had ever left or if I just stopped like participating in things out. that used to give me jo- joy, you know? Well, I have, um, and I've started working again on the second book because that was shelved for a while. Because I mean, my dad was going to be a big part of it. And then, I mean, death is fucked, right? Like you yeah. change, it, grief changes you. But again, I think Andrew Garfield said this when his mom died, where he's like, grief oh, is just yeah. love with no place to go. And it's like, I love that. There's also an Irish poem that I like where it's like, I'm not gone. I'm just in the next room. And you're like, okay, that's okay. So that's 2025. That should be out. And then in the meantime, I'm, I've gone back to school. I'm doing a history and gender studies degree that I Jeez. wanted to do for a long time. And I'm, I'm living a lot, a quiet life, which is exactly what I would like. I just, I've got my close friends and fam and I get to do stuff like this. And then after this, I'm going to like hang with my cat. Like I'm, I read my, finish my book about Vladimir Putin. Like I'm very, <laughs> I, I'm just a, I'm just so boring and it's, but it, it's a novelty after a very painful couple of years. I'm very, very grateful to be a little bit bored in that way. Well, I, I love to hear that. And I'm so glad uh, I just, it's just so great to tell somebody to their face uh, how much well, their work you. has meant to me. And like I said, you, you better come on before 2025, please come on just to recap oh, a Vanderpump Rules episode. But this has been such a joy. This really, I'm over the moon. So you guys, you. I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes. So please go support. But this has just been so lovely. I really, really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for asking me. That really means a lot. And I'm happy to come back. You just let me know when. Okay, period. That's done. Cool. Bye. Betches.